CFB Paint, we are back again. Here we are for week, is it week nine or week 10? Now I'm blanking. Week nine. Week, week nine, nine recap. Done. We go on to week 10. We're looking forward to week 10 later and in our second episode this week. All right. Lots to get to. Um, we'll first of all acknowledge the kind of like like the Lion King where Timon and Pumper are like, our trio's down to two. We're, we're here right now. We miss Brian today. Um, I always thought but, that was Atrio when I was little. And I'm like, what's an Atrio? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't realize like, Nathan Lane just has just kind of a strange way of talking. Atrio found it too. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I figured we'd do our wrap around since this is not a, a common way. We usually have to kind of like sort it out and debate, but we could do like rock, paper, scissors and decide who goes first. So let me give you some history on rock, paper, scissors. In Uh-oh. fourth and fifth, in, uh, in fourth and fifth grade, I went to like a year-round school, and so I had the same classmates in third, fourth, fifth grade. We started a rock paper scissors like championship across our class, and you get to move up in the polls as you take take on more people, kind of like the UFC. And I was pretty good for some reason. I always just knew what people's tendencies were, and so I ended up being pretty good at that time. I haven't played in a while. I'm kind of rusty, you know. All my skills worn off of rock paper scissors, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> all right are we doing best of or are we just doing just one just one man just one and on shoot oh of course one. you don't okay all right okay are you ready i'm ready let's let's see if we can do the timing because this, this is going to be hard doing this over video but like rock, rock paper scissors two. okay okay we've got it oh sorry i didn't that was not me trying to cheat and see what you're going to throw up now <laughs> you're good all right i was like let's see if we can get the time all right rock Paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, okay. All right. You I go first. It. What? You stuck I, with... I, I changed what I needed here. You so also I... went <laughs> off camera. Yeah, I was gonna say I, there's there's some integrity of the of the game might be in question here, but that's no, I, right. I, I trust you more than I trust the uh, the Michigan coaching staff. So um, well, that's go ahead not get into much. it. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> go All ahead. Right. My rapid reaction for this week is I believe it's only the second and third time we've had – or probably only the second time we've had a top 10 team go lose to a unranked team this year, the first being North Carolina yet last week. So we're starting to see some mix-up. We're starting to see some fun. We were worried about some crazy scenarios in the ACC and in, in the Big 12 and whether teams would – and even in the Pac, uh, Pac-12. Um, but things are going to work itself out. They always do. And hopefully this doesn't become a hard decision for the college football playoff committee. Um, Oklahoma, it's a rough game for them. I feel really bad for for them. And as a fan, if I was watching that game as a fan, I would have been very upset because it felt like the announcers and the whole system was like rooting for them to lose. Oh, yeah, every, everyone was. <laughs> like every single time they cut the screen, it was like the last time Kansas beat Oklahoma was, the last time Kansas was really good in 2008 was, the last time Kansas – football or basketball team won against Oklahoma was. And like, I was like, come on guys. They do one show, one clip for Oklahoma. I was like, Oh, they won the title back in 2000. But other than that, like I would have been frustrated when they're rooting against my entire team, but it was a fun week. We didn't have like high ranking matchups, but we still had fun games. I feel like, and some unexpected uh, wins by some of those teams. So. Yeah. So my rapid reaction was like, look, going into the week, I thought that 130 slate was just jam packed. I was like, man, there's all kinds of media games. Uh, Not many of them ended up being particularly competitive. 
play. Okay, uh, Oregon, Utah decided by what four scores? Uh, uh, Texas, BYU decided by four scores. Louisville beats Duke twenty-three to nothing. Like all those games that were like, oh, there's there's probably some intrigue there. Again, uh, none of us thought that the, the BYU Texas one was kind of wasn't one that we necessarily thought was going to be a, a close game, but. That whole time slot, I thought was like, man, I'm gonna have to be like jumping around or like doing like finding the right four games to put on my screen. And then I was like, man, I gotta find something that's reasonably competitive to watch. Yeah. Um, so uh, and and it did deliver like the, the Miami Virginia game uh, also in that three thirty slot. That was a fun game to watch. So I that's that's the best part about college football Saturday is you're probably gonna find what you're looking for at some point. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it's just one of those things where it's maybe a little bit of fool's gold when you look at it heading into the week of like, oh, this looks like the the time where I, I got to clear my schedule, keep everything off of it. And the same is true for when it looks like, oh, there's not anything really of note here. Those are the times where uh, things get wild. But um, let's go into the week that was, um, we started, you mentioned the Oklahoma-Kansas game. Man, that's a fun game. I, I was listening to another recap of it, and um, Jason Bean doesn't really give you what I would think would be enough of an effort to win that game. I mean, he throws two really? picks in the fourth quarter, and they end up winning. Like, and two bad ones. Like, that, the one on the screen is just awful. Um, so I, it looked like the whole time I'm watching that game, I was like, Oklahoma's going to get out of this. They're going to... It just looked like, oh, all right, they didn't play great on the road. A cu- couple mistakes here and there, you know, the pick six early, uh, a couple of other, a couple of other things that were maybe a little uncharacteristic of of Oklahoma, uh, but it looked like they were going to escape. And um, the one thing I was really surprised at, I, I won't take a ton of time breaking down this game, but like the one thing I was surprised at was that Kansas. I thought it might come back to bite them, and it almost does. I mean, Oklahoma doesn't score at the end, but letting them score with like 50 seconds left. Brilliant call by Oklahoma. I thought as soon as I saw him break through the line of scrimmage, it was like, he's got to know that they're trying to let him score and he should cover up that football, get to the one and a half and take a knee and, and go for one more play. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I, I mean, I don't even know if you take a knee there necessarily, but like well, uh, you're, you're down you by at one. least take, so take as many points as you can. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so Oklahoma had what two two timeouts when that happened? Yeah, so yeah, that that was the one thing I was a little surprised that they didn't they weren't a little bit more methodical down toward the end and and kind of call out the fact that they might try and let you get in the end zone to preserve some time for their offense. But either way, all's well that ends well. If you're a Jayhawk fan, uh, huge I think program defining win for for Lance Leipold there. Uh, if he is auditioning for other jobs, that's not a bad feather in your cap. I, I think he's there for the long haul. Um, I I don't expect Jalen Daniels to return at this point. Like, yeah, again, no. I don't have any intel on that, but like he's been gone what since the BYU game, um, mm-hmm. I think. So yeah, you know, four or five weeks. I'm gonna try and read the tea leaves there, and you know, Jason Bean. The interesting thing is like. I guess the last thing I'll say, and then I'll, turn, I'll hand it over to you to give any other thoughts or, or different perspectives on the game. You know, for him having like legit track speed, which again they kind of covered ad nauseum throughout the game. The, the announcers I think mentioned he was like his 100 times, I think three or four times throughout the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
I didn't see that many design runs for him. Now he does have the one big one where he uh, pulls it. it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there is. Yeah. Is it the? Well, all right, maybe I missed that one. I think there's one where it's just a design run. It's not even a zone read, give take. There's one where he just like runs basically like QB counter, okay. like, or a QB delay. Um, maybe I'm getting that wrong. About, you're talking about Bean, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a one right after the interception. I want to say it's like the third quarter. Um, they run kind of a counter. He pulls it and runs the right on the right down the basically on the line <laughs> sideline and scores. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess I just don't remember. Okay, maybe I don't remember the beginning of the play. I didn't. I didn't think there was even like a handoff option, and I thought it was just like a straight design QB. Yeah, I think he has maybe a handoff with a running back on his right and kind of like lets the running back go, and then just takes it off the other side. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I was surprised we didn't see more of that given his speed and the challenges he has throwing the football. Um, so yeah, I, that's the thing that's the most surprising to me is like I don't think Kansas played their best game or even coached their best game, and they still found a way to win. So. Yeah. Um, again, was, I don't. Oh, go ahead. No, it was just kind of a really interesting game, like of waves almost. And it was like Kansas got going at fourteen nothing, and then Oklahoma comes back and like start takes the lead. And then you have the 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 what's it called? The electricity, uh, the weather timeout kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, the lightning delay. Yeah, the lightning delay, and that the kind electricity. of electricity. Like, <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Sorry, no, no my mind never works. Um, <laughs> but then all of a sudden, like Kansas, like. Regains control and Oklahoma's kind of like there, and then halftime starts and Oklahoma goes cold again and lets Kansas back in. It's just a really, really swingy game, and then you have the back and forth kind of in the fourth quarter. But I don't know. I just I thought it was really, really interesting, like how Kansas played in the fact that they were like I kind of like you. They didn't play their best game, but they also like if you watch them move the ball at the beginning of the game, like Oklahoma like let up forty yards the entire entire like first series of the entire season or it's like 33 yards or something like that and kansas kind of like marches down for a while they don't they end up turning it over and downs but it's like okay maybe they found something here and they do i this is my second time watching kansas this this year they do a lot of weird they did a lot of weird shifts early on kind of moving the the defense and i think that was kind of like to set them off get, get them off um and honestly it seemed to work it seemed to give bean and the team what they needed. You say he didn't play particularly well. I didn't feel like he played particularly bad in that game. Um, I'm trying to look at his stats real quick, but um, yeah. Huh? Two fourth quarter picks was more what I was trying. Like, yeah, I mean, he did struggle. It, in that it felt like in, in, in the crunch time, I felt like he didn't play super great. And even then he did enough. Like they, yeah. they do drive down and score when they need a touchdown to respond. But no, yeah, you're right. It's it, so a mixed bag good. for sure. Yeah. He only completes 47% of his passes. But he completes 15 passes for 218 yards. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yards, per completion. Yeah. Or per completion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Honestly, and it shakes up the Big 12. Oh, it does. Yeah. It opens up. That's exactly where I was going to go. It opens up everybody have, having a chance. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I, I figured after we go through some of these games, we actually do just a little quick. I don't know if you see it on the show notes, but like conference race check-in. Just to kind oh, of I'm a, quick little, that. Okay. a quick little uh, check-in there. But yeah, uh, between them and Oklahoma State, like, what? <laughs> Oklahoma State was kind of – we kind of Oklahoma wrote Oklahoma State, State off at the beginning of the I year. I did. I did. 33-7 to South Alabama, and I'm and, and I'm leaving <laughs> you home. dead. Yeah, at home, and, and you deserve to be left for dead. But they uh, – I don't know. Anyway. The last thing I want to say about this game sure. is uh, Leopold's reaction on the, on the uh, like, post game, where he's like, I don't like to revel in this. 
and he's like, but I'm going to revel in this one. Like this one is an important one for us. It, like you kind of said, mentioned it's like program defining. It's like, he's like, this one was big and I'm glad we're going to celebrate it. Like we're going to be excited about it. And kudos to the fans also that stayed there. They actually, it wasn't packed, but like there were quite a few fans that stayed through all that rain and weather. So Yeah, it did not look like from from a comfort level, it did not look like a fun game to be at. Now, no. don't get me wrong, the result and, and the back and forth nature of it, like we mentioned, would have been awesome. But, I, but I'm going to just shout out the fan who had his shirt off and had KU shaved into his chest hair. Uh, that must have been very chilly with the the wind and the rain and and all the the elements. Anyway, yeah. So an interesting one. Oklahoma does not have a lot of time to sit and wallow. They've got Bedlam on the road in Stillwater this next week. Uh, we'll break that one down next uh, next episode. Um, another game that was in the early slate: FSU Wake Forest. Um, Corey, I'll just hand the baton to you. Give me, give me your thoughts on the game. Any takeaways? Anything you learned, or or or, or any new uh, insight that you may have into the Seminoles? Yeah. So two things that, that I kind of come away with this. Um, like first off, Wake Forest is not a good team, so you should be winning this game. Yeah. Um, but Florida State's offense is not particularly like efficient. It feels like they don't on a down to down basis. They'll they'll turn it over on downs, you know, two times like they did against Duke or they'll punt it two or three times. But then they go on runs where they just crush, like, quarters. And, like, they did it against LSU where they did it in the second half. Um, actually, if you look at their second half stats for the last uh, month, I think they've allowed, like, a touchdown each on some people. I think I think Wake Forest actually scores the most points on, on them this month yes. in, t- in scoring mm-hmm. 10. Um, but it's, like, this, this offense is not – consistent but they can explode and the deep but the defense is better than we expected and better than we i think we realized um they didn't have a great game against clemson in my opinion um but they end up shutting clemson out in the in the second half to give him a chance to, to win the game and then then they have issues against um boston college but if you go back to when the fan or when the reporters were talking about it like apparently a bunch of the f- team had the flu that week and it looks to be more of anomaly than it w- would be it was like a major thing and i wouldn't say this is a great past defensive team it doesn't feel like this is but they they're the only team in the nation that's holding quarterbacks to under 50 percent completion rate so like they're they're must be doing something good even though they aren't facing like maybe the top quality of talent um but and if you look at lsu when they played lsu they held held uh jaden daniels who is his by far his lowest qbr the entire year so yeah, I was gonna say they haven't played. They've they've played some bad QBs, but they also played the Heisman front runner. So yeah, and, and and played played well. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with what you said around like how it like yeah they've just got these weird like spurts where it's just like okay the defense is gonna get three consecutive stops whether it's three and outs or turnovers or usually getting the ball back quickly and the offense is gonna score. Uh, in this case, it was the second quarter where you dropped what twenty four points in the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 24 to nothing in the second quarter this this go around. It has like it's not the same vibes as like 2014 Florida State, but somewhat similar and like there's something that switches at halftime where they just kind of and this one maybe it was you know, this is a little bit different, but in, in several games now Florida State has like kicked it into a, another gear in the second half. Um the question that I find myself asking asking myself about this team is like are they going to run into a time where they've dug 
too big of a hole where they, if they, even if they kick into that gear, they, and I'm not even necessarily saying the regular season, but like, you know, I, I would, it's kind of a bad week to bring it up, but like Miami went, when they're firing on all cylinders, if you don't, you know, bring your A game for all 60 minutes, you, you could be in trouble and, and maybe a, you know, a 21 nothing quarter isn't enough by itself. Right. You know, if they've outplayed you for a couple of other quarters, um, but more so looking toward like, Hey, in an ACC title game or potentially in a playoff game, if they make it there, there's teams that are good enough to bury you where you, you can't wait till halftime to really kick it into that, that, you know, that, that extra gear. But yeah, the two scariest teams for, for Florida state, in my opinion, are the Miami game because Miami's defensive line is so strong and Florida state's offensive line is a little hurt right now, to be honest. And then, if you get through, if you get through those games and you go to the ACC title game, I'm I, I'm scared of Louisville to be honest. Um, just what they can scheme up, uh, they they've stopped the run. You're, they stopped the run against Notre Dame, made it very very difficult for Notre Dame to do that anything. Uh, Florida State doesn't have a particularly run strong run game as it is, and so seeing what they can do when we already know that they're going to be one dimensional against Louisville, that'll be scary to see how that end up working, but. I mean, this is a team that if they went out, they deserve to be in the college playoff um, for sure. And I mean, if they have a loss, I don't know. See. Yeah, that's when things will get interesting. And, and again, like we're recording this on Monday, October 30th. Um, playoff rankings come out tomorrow. Is that right? Yep. Poor scheduling, putting them out on Halloween. Anyway. Um, it's just make it spooky. Yeah, I guess. Um, but uh all all that all that to say, like I don't usually get too like up in arms about the first couple of rankings because often things kind of work themselves out more or less. You know, there, there's there's sometimes a debate between like, you know, okay, do teams five and six maybe have a legitimate gripe that they could be four? Um, but I, I usually wait until the end of the season before I give too much uh, weight to that. But yeah, Florida State's a good team, took care of business, and and a couple others didn't this week, and and you know that's one of those things that you got to do um moving on we'll spend i don't i don't know how much time you want to spend on the BYU Texas game um i know that we we've, we've got audience members that are interested in our opinions so that's why yeah um this BYU team's not very good um they've lucked into a couple wins do they make it through bowl eligibility um maybe you're not going to be favored in any of your other games. Like your West Virginia's a ten point favorite, I think, right now that I've seen. Iowa State's going to be better than them. Oklahoma's going to spank you, and Oklahoma State is looking pretty good with what is it, Ollie Gordon the third or something like that? He's running, yeah, three hundred mm-hmm. yards, something like that. So I mean, can they squeak yeah, it... and make it play bowl eligible? We'll see. You got you got to just win one. I don't know what that alert was for. My phone. Well, yeah. Well, what was what was the notification? It's about Dabo. We'll talk about that later. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. This game went exactly how I thought it would. In fact, I have a good buddy that uh, texted me a bunch of reasons why this game would go under. Um, BYU's offense is not very good. Sark not looking to embarrass the alma mater. Uh, Malik Murphy in his first start means they're probably going to run the ball more. Basically, he saw the game exactly how it played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said to him, and I can show you the text. I, I, I don't have it, you know, I don't have it pulled up, but I can show you the text later. But like I said, yeah, something in the 35 to 7 ish range seems right. So with, within a point on that one. Um, oddly enough, can I just like 
that one and Utah, both BYU and Utah, the two premier teams in Utah, lose 35 to six in the third one in the 3:30 Eastern uh, broadcast slot. Um, I mean, I guess, sorry, I guess I kind of got ahead of myself there. A couple more thoughts on BYU Texas. Malik Murphy, first start. I'm not hitting the panic button. I think it's going to be fine, especially since they have that strong run game to lean on. Uh, and, you know, yeah, for me, like, I think Texas, that you had other players step up. You know, Xavier Worthy returns a punt for a touchdown. If you get that kind of effort from everyone around him, I think Malik Murphy will settle in and play well, but uh, he has to grow up quick because Kansas State comes to town next. So that will be a a fun game with a a little bit more offensive firepower in in the opposing team. I think for BYU, like, can they get to a bowl game? I think so. They could. I think so. You've got to win one of the next two games, in my opinion. That's right. You've got – yeah, your next two games are West Virginia and then Ohio – or Ohio State. Iowa State, State. excuse me. West Virginia is on the road. Long travel. Uh, what time is that game? Is it? It's an evening game, huh? It's a night game for. Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. In West Virginia. Oh. Anyway, um, that's that's not an easy place to play. Mountaineers fans are rowdy there. It's a, it's an intimidating environment, and they've had I think a better than expected season. And yep. they're on the cusp of bowl eligibility too. Are they five and three? Am I getting that right? I think that's it's great. off the top of my head. Hmm. I think it's right. Okay, so so I mean, and this is one of their better chances to to get bowl eligible as well. So uh, this one will be a war. Then you're home against Iowa State, who's playing pretty well. I think a lot of people wrote them off when they saw all the suspensions early on. Uh, but Rocco Beck is not playing poorly at QB. Is not, I should say, playing poorly at QB. And uh, yeah, so that that's probably your best shot at home because your only other home game is against Oklahoma. And, you know, I, I know that they went on the road in Lawrence, Kansas, and, and didn't get the W. It won't be the same story here in Provo. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting. But also just, like, a couple notes on BYU. Like, there's, there's a couple of players that, like, now that you're into the part of the season where it's like, okay, most of the major goals, which I don't know how many major goals a BYU fan should have had this year or, or does have. I think most – we're hoping to make a bowl. I think that was, that okay. was probably accurate. well. That one's that one's still on the table, and and yeah, that, I would say that's a reasonable expectation, or or like kind of even for me, like that might might have been a stretch goal going into the year. Like, all right, can we make a bowl? Um, you got some pieces on this team that I really really like. If you're yeah. able to keep them, um, the L.J. Martin running back is pretty good. He's a pretty talented player. Uh, I know the offensive line has not been maybe what everyone hoped and dreamed it could be. Um, you got a couple of other like younger defensive players that I also think are are pretty good. That Siala Esera kid, he can move. Like that guy can play for me. Like yeah, he he's a pretty pretty fun kid. And then the Harrison Taggart, I think is his name, another young linebacker. Yeah, experience. They make they make a few mistakes, but they're they're athletes and they're more athletic. Always than turns them. out very good linebackers in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like it, it's it's one of those things that they've done pretty well. Um, so there's some pieces to build on, is is all I'm saying. You got to figure out QB. Keaton Slovis yeah. saying it. I'll say yeah. that. Like, not trying to be rude, but like, how many times can you throw the ball right at the other team? Uh, people like Keaton Slovis, and who's the guy that's over at Rice? Uh, kind of in the same category. <laughs> <laughs> JT Daniels. Yeah. 
It's like was it because they were teammates at USC? Yeah, and they never seemed to land anywhere. That's the reason they left, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. The, the journeyman college quarterbacks. Uh, moving on to that second 35-6 to defeat of, of a Utah University. Um, yeah, Oregon comes to town, and they score on touch score touchdowns on three of their four first possessions. Um the one that they don't score on is a fumble recovered by Utah. And the funny thing is like football is a game of inches. And there's like four or five plays that I think could turn this from like a two score game into the what? 29 point victory that it is. Yeah. Um, it, it actually, like I, I watched it after the fact and it was just like, okay, so they go for it on fourth and short and they don't get it. And then they get that turnover and they only turn it into a field goal. And, and meanwhile, Oregon is scoring touchdowns every possession. Really, the thing that to me was the most surprising, and I need to go back and look, and no one's really done this to Oregon, but like, I would be interested to see because it felt like Utah's defensive kind of game plan played right into Oregon's hands in terms of like what Bo Nix does best. He, you know, he's patient in the pocket. He hits the checkdowns, and oftentimes those checkdowns can slip one tackle and and go ahead and and make, you know, they're fine playing five, six yards of play, but eventually one of those six-yard passes is going to turn into a 13, 14, 20-yard gain. Mm -hmm. And they just, it felt like every single time, like Utah was just kind of content to say, like, okay, we'll give up the five-yard pass and maybe just thinking, like, we're going to, eventually you're going to make some sort of mistake offensively that we're going to be able to capitalize on and either force a punt or, or, or get a turnover or uh, stop you in the red zone, force field goals. And it just didn't really happen. Um, so that was my big takeaway was that I don't know if they just kind of thought that that was going to be enough, but Bo Nix does not beat himself like he used to at Auburn. Nope, that's, that's the thing that's the really kind of, I think that gives them a chance in every game moving forward. And I would say if they get to the playoff, they've got a chance in every game moving forward because he doesn't make those mistakes that we, we had seen previously in his career. Talk about the growth and, and maturation of a QB. I mean, of course he's going to mature. He's like 30 years old. Um, but I, I just like that. That's the thing that to me is most impressive. And I think uh, that was a, a statement victory. And, and this isn't to take away from Utah. Utah's, I think, done an awesome job to get to where they are this year, working with a third-string quarterback and, and the myriad injuries they've had kind of up and down their roster. But a very impressive win for the Ducks. How did you see this one? Um, two kind of takeaways. This kind of felt like what Utah did to Florida. This kind of felt the same thing, where it's like they jumped out <laughs> so far ahead, like the game was over and nobody was really like, into it like Utah's defense bows up and after those first few possessions I think Oregon scores one touchdown for the rest of the game and, but then they can't score themselves so that doesn't really help um my other thing that I'm gonna say is like you you nailed the uh, nailed on the head with Bo Nix like he he's making the right decisions he's working within the offense he's finding the ways to keep them successful the dude is is completed 78 percent of his passes this year he's averaging his high, highest uh, completion or uh, sorry, yards per attempt that he's ever had. It's not overly high, right? Generally speaking, you look at like the quality, quality quarterbacks. You look at the ten to 12, eleven to twelve range. He's at eight point nine. That's about Jordan Travis, a little bit better than Jordan Travis. But twenty-one touchdowns, one interception. Dude's taking care of the ball. 
putting himself in position to win. And Dan Lanning's defense is good enough to, to offset that. Um, Oregon, Washington is really what I want to see again um, because those are the two best teams in the league. And let's hope that Washington can beat a, a USC team in the next little bit coming up soon. Um, and the word on the street, you know, not the word on the street. It's not like it's, this is a rumor, but there's there's a lot of people saying, oh, if they were to play again right now, I think Oregon wins. Oh, and, I, I, I believe it. And I, and I agree. I, the first time I, would believe I picked them the first time too, yeah. So, if Dan Lampers number six in that game, they might win that first one. That's 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 a fair point. Um, so yeah, it, we'll have to see if that one yeah, shakes out. Um, yeah, interesting one. Louisville Duke. I didn't get eyes on this game. I just figured we'd at least acknowledge it. I don't know if you saw any of it, so like, if um, you did, let I me know. I saw but... something like it was like the first time Louisville, or first time in a long time Louisville that ever shut out a top twenty-five opponent, um, which is kind of crazy. But I, this Louisville team scares me, like. They have an easy schedule, but they are doing what they should have done with it, except for, you know, that one fluke at Pitt. Um, and so, like... And even then, they led by two scores in the first half of that game. Yeah, the wheels came off. Game. Like, but, Yeah, they, they, they turned the ball over a bunch, and it became a problem. And, and uh, they surprised us in the fact that they beat Notre Dame, and they shut down Notre Dame's run, or running attack. I think this is the game where you got to go, should they have sat Riley against Florida State and kind of got him okay because he wasn't himself again? And he now was essentially out of huh? He he was worse this game than he was against yeah. FSU, um, so, like statistically. Yeah, and essentially they're they're out, like they don't control their destiny to be uh, in the ACC championship. So, yeah, we talked about this last week, and I I think that you know we've seen that play out to a uh, to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, either way, again, not taking anything away from Duke, I think they've done awesome. Obviously, Mike Elko has done a heck of a job. They've got a great team. Been a tough stretch for them playing, what, Notre Dame, Florida State, Louisville, and then North Carolina this week. That's four of five. I skipped a game in between. Gosh, who did? Oh, it was NC State that they played between Notre Dame and FSU. But, like, it's a really tough stretch, and especially without a, a, a healthy starting QB. But, but Duke, Duke's again doing doing great. I guess they're what are they five and three now? They still need one to to go bowling. Yeah. Maybe maybe what we had said in the early going uh, again when we talked about them as a potential uh, team to to draft in our win totals draft. We're like we like that team. We don't like that schedule. I, it looks like some of that's coming to fruition. Now. Well, yeah, and then you also didn't have a backup that you believed in enough to to that's be successful. True. I mean, you're playing a hurt Riley Definitely. Leonard over a backup that you could be doing okay with. So. Okay. Uh, from one game I didn't watch to another game I didn't watch. Uh, Clemson, NC State, 24-17. And I realized I put these in incorrectly on our show notes. Clemson loses that game. They score 17. NC State scores 24. So I'm fixing that right now. Um, but, yeah, this game was 24-7 to heading into the fourth quarter. I, I again have not seen a down of it, but it just figured we acknowledge Clemson's four and four this year. And uh, should I read some of the Dabo stuff from Go ahead. from his from his Tuesday uh, radio up, show? I just want to give some thoughts on this team. This team yeah, has had insanely in. bad luck. Like they've had really really big issues on like pieces against Duke when they played Duke at the beginning of the year. They've had turnovers. Like, like they've had insane amount of turnovers in the red zone, and the turnover variance on for this team is 
is crazy. This is a team that you we have to see that eventually the pendulum. It may not be this year, but it has to swing back because they've turned over the ball more than they more than they their fair share amount of times, and it's been at critical junctures and critical points. And so it's what it's why this team is four and four. If you don't have if you have normal turnover variance, this team's a six and three te- or six and two team. But they've had some bad turnovers at bad times, and it's cost them games. I mean, you like look at look at Duke. It cost them that game. It cost them Florida State game because of the of the turn of the uh, of the linebacker. Um, this game they have a couple turnovers. They, what's the game that they played against? Uh, was it that they just recently lost? It wasn't Florida State between Florida Miami. State. Yeah, Miami. And yeah, that, they fumble on the goal line. The goal line, and then the next play they run it in for a touchdown, eighty yards. Like, yeah, there have been critical critical plays that have swung this team to losses from turnovers, and it's you just got to hold the ball. I mean, come on. Go on, Steve. No, yeah, no, it's, I'm already, I don't know. <laughs> if you're watching the video, go back and just watch me as I'm scrolling through because some of the responses to it are just a riot. Um, so there's a lot of fun things here. Uh, but Chapel Fowler, at Chapel Fowler, I don't know if that's a journalist. Clemson football coverage, yes, for the state sports and the state guild. So this is the person that's tweeting out. Uh, Dabo Swinney ripping into a fan who asks him why Clemson's paying him a huge salary just to go four and four. Quote, you are a part of the problem. Also says to the fan, quote, if you want to apply for the job, go for it and good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> yikes. He, he continues to answer your question. I started as the lowest paid coach in this business. I worked my ass off. I'm not going to let this smart ass kid get on the phone and tell me how to do my job. I work for the board of trustees, close quote. Like, he's not wrong. in paradise? <laughs> he's not wrong, but you got to just take and be like, I wouldn't even take the call. I'd be like, next question. <laughs> I, I mean, so. Yeah, we're having a bad year. Clearly, uh, I saw this uh, done on the Cover 3 podcast. They compared this is to uh, Mike Krzyzewski with, with Duke. I don't know if you saw that. Where uh, Mike yeah. Krzyzewski's like, I'm not doing one and done, and then he ends up doing one and done, and that what made him successful. They're like, this is him with the transfer portal. And I think it's a great analogy. That's why I'm repeating it. Like, he's got to decide whether he's going to use the portal. And if he doesn't, he's done. Yeah, or at least done competing at the highest levels for yep. sure. Um, yeah, there's another uh, – another. have you ever heard, like, Jeff Cameron's – like, he calls it, like, the Jeff Cameron PR firm where he, like, analyzes these things and says, like – Here's what I would have advised that person oh, to I like do. Yeah. They're hilarious. But, I mean, he hasn't done this one yet. I'm sure it's coming tomorrow. I, I have no doubt. So I look, for, <laughs> I look forward to that, and I'll, yeah, I'll be happy to share that out. Um, but, like, well, yeah. well I'll, I'll go ahead and give you kind of what would my kind of PR – like, yeah, like, of course you can be annoyed with the question because this person asking the question doesn't know near as much about football as you do. Like, that's a given. No, yeah. like, but you don't have to entertain that. You can just say – yeah, it's disappointing, you know, but I've also been paid. Uh, I mean, I- even if you wanted to go this way and it's still kind of petty, but it, it at least proves the point. We're like, well, that first national championship, I was underpaid significantly for that one. So um, yeah. now you're catching it on the back end. Sorry. Uh, and that's still petty, I, but I probably just be like, yeah, we're all frustrated. We're all frustrated with no one's, no one's happy with the way this is going. Like, yeah. and I hear that frustration and I appreciate a fan base that's passionate, that cares just as much about this as I do. Boom. Like, <laughs> mic drop. Leave it alone. You don't. 
I, I think I I think he's dug his heels in, and and we we know that he's he's a good coach, or at least a good you know organizer. I don't know how great of an X's and O's guy he is, but like, um, but you don't have to be necessarily right. No, you don't. That's um, not what a coach is. A coach is a CEO and a recruiter. That, if you can do that in the college football world, you're going to be successful as long as yeah. you can hire the right hires, which he's missed a few. Um, but also, you might not have the right quarterback. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just interesting. This looks like this is going downhill fast. Um, this, uh, yeah, it's uh, anyway. I just figured we'd at least acknowledge that result. And let's talk it, Clemson's it, remaining schedule real quick, though. It doesn't get easier. Okay, you play at you play Notre Dame, where you're not favored. You play yeah, Georgia, surprisingly good team at home. Then you play North Carolina, which you're not going to be favored at. And then you play at South. So you have three at home, and then you have at South Carolina. If you lose that South Carolina game, good heavens. Like, South Carolina's been bad. If you lose to South Carolina, I think the wheels have fallen off quite heaven. <laughs> yeah. Bad. Well, I mean, and I don't think – don't get me wrong. I don't think he's in any danger of being fired no. this year. Like, no. not at all. It's just one of those things where it's like – it's like with any other coach that's established himself and has literally built a program, taken it to new heights that it's never seen before, and then things start to start to taper off, right? I mean, he's not Bobby Bowden, but he's not that far from Bobby Bowden. And the same number of national championships as Bobby Bowden did. And it got really uncomfortable at the end of Bobby Bowden's tenure at Florida State. There was a lot of seven and six years that people weren't thrilled with. Yep. So I don't know what happens here with him being pretty antagonistic to the fan base in the last couple of weeks, saying maybe we need to lose a few, few more games so people hop off the bandwagon. You're losing. Following it up with this. Yeah. <laughs> It just doesn't seem like it's it's tenable there. It feels so a little we'll Jimbo Fisher-esque. Oh my gosh, you said it. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. So we'll see what happens there. I think something has to give. Um, again, it may not be this offseason, but I feel pretty confident saying that one of a few things is going to happen. Uh, Dabo is either going to embrace the transfer portal this offseason, or he will not be the coach there in 2025. I agree with that. One of those two. One yep. of those two has to has to change. Um, and he might just write off in the sense that be like, hey, I, I made my millions. I'm done. Like he's got he's got enough money. Like, he's just waiting for the Alabama job to open up. But he's got to keep himself, you know, in the. In the are you, are you, are you gonna want him if you're Alabama just, right now? Yeah. Not when he's doing he stuff like this. Portal. He's not gonna get that Alabama job. Mm. All right. Uh, moving on, this one to, was, to me, the most entertaining game of the 3.30 slate. Miami 29, Virginia 26, overtime game. Uh, I, you know, hate watches or, or, or something. I, I said this to uh, to our cousin Kyle, who is a big supporter of the show, and he's like, you're always – he's talking about I'm always dogging Oklahoma and doubting them. I, 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 do, I did doubt them, and they've, for the most part, impressed me this year. I thought they've taken leaps and bounds. But I just told him, like, hey, hate watches are just as good as like watches. And so uh, I, here I was hate watching Miami just because I, I am an FSU fan. I don't know what to make of this. Tyler Van Dyke has turned the ball over seven times in his last three games. Uh, we saw what happens when he loses confidence last year. That looks like a problem. Uh, the good part is that they have a very good offensive line. They have some talented running backs, especially the, the freshman that kind of took over the game toward the end of the game, Mark Fletcher. 
So I don't know if you're going to have to ask Tyler Van Dyke to do a whole lot moving forward, but they are on the road at NC State this next week with a really salty defense, and you're going to need to score some points. Uh, so I don't know. That, that's just interesting. Miami, again, 6-2, and two, already at – already had a bowl game this year but um i'm getting an echo are you catching that oh i think it's fixed yeah Sorry I was about that. It just okay i don't know what just happened there no worries we'll, we'll keep moving but they're already to a bowl game so progress being made under chris ball in, in year two um it, it's it seems like some of those defeats last year are turning into like narrow victories which again, you typically start to see this where, you know, a team, maybe maybe when the coach takes over, you know, he's there for a reason because things weren't going well. And often that first season, you know, a full turnaround doesn't usually happen. Not, not many people have the TCU protocol. But um, this year they found ways to win narrow games. Now they found ways to lose a few too. Um, but down 10 against Clemson in the fourth quarter, they force overtime and win that game. In this game, they again are trailing at half. Get two very quick scores. They get up. They force a three and out on Virginia. Gets the ball at half, up ten three. They force a three and out. They score on their opening possession, and then they get a pick six on the next UVA possession. So you know it feels like you blinked and you went from down from up seven if you're Virginia to down seven. Uh, Miami, I think, is, is turning the corner. I think they're building the culture there. That's going to be a, a fun team to watch. Now, again, I think they're always going to have to be a team that overcomes some of the coaching decisions that they make, including this one. Like, with a minute and a half left, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't quite that much time, but he, he gets the ball. I think they have two timeouts and near a minute left and only a field goal to win it and a kicker that has hit a 50, 49, and 48-yard field goal and drilled all of them in this game, and he opts to kneel and play for overtime. So uh, Crystal Ball will keep you in the game if you're, the, if you're their opposition, but um, that, his team might starting to turn a corner and to be talented enough that they'll outplay their coach. I loved how people were like, now you kneel the ball? <laughs> like, you make the decision now? They're like, what the heck? But also- hey, if it's the force overtime, he loves a knee. He did that against <laughs> against Clemson as well. Uh, it's just he doesn't like kneeling to win. Like I, I don't get it. But it's that's a fair criticism. I just wanted to acknowledge that one because Miami, I think, is going to be on the rise in the next couple of years. Um, and and this is a big part of it. If they lose to Clemson last week, that would have been three losses in a row. If they lose to Virginia, that's obviously a team that they're expected to beat especially if they'd done both of those, that's then a four game losing streak. And, and this, you know, it's two overtime games that I think have had a profound impact on the trajectory of Mario Cristobal's tenure. A hundred percent agree with you. And like, that's what I was about to say. It was like, if they had lost against Clemson or Virginia, like the rug starts to kind of come out from underneath you. But now I'm hoping that they beat NC state and you have a nighttime ranked matchup at, in Tallahassee. Um, and Florida state's bringing, they're bringing basically any player that's any good in the entire country to this game. Like it's, it's insane. The amount of people are coming to that game. Um, so they better win it if they want to, you know, close on recruits, but let's be real. Um, but yeah. like, I, I, I find it hard to root for Miami. I really am sad that they've kind of pulled these last two out. But with that being said, I'm like, all right, go win against 
go win against NC State, make Tyler Van Dyke continue to like play hurt and get a little bit more hurt, and then let Florida State win the game. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um. I don't. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting. I I just realized. Sorry. I'm I'm gonna shift gears from that game unless you had anything more on yeah, that good. one. Uh, we didn't even put Georgia, Florida into the show notes here because oh, yeah, that was such of a laugher. Um. Yeah. Uh, Florida drives down and scores on their first possession, and then I don't. Were they down thirty-three to seven after that? Did they it, rattle off thirty-three straight? It was a yeah, lot. 30, 36 seven. Thirty-six seven at one point, and they they end up putting some lipstick on the pig and making it look a little bit better. Where they lose what forty-three twenty was the final, right? That's the final, yeah. So, um. I didn't have a ton of takeaways other than that, other than Georgia has that gear. Like, and I, I think it's starting to get unlocked. It's two of their last three games that they've had, you know, really, really impressive performances. Yeah, I think it's kind of been like, if we deem you as a threat or if we don't like you, we'll slam the door shut. If you're not that good, we'll let you hang around. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, Florida uh, is not that good, but they wanted to slam the door shut. I think they scored the most yeah. points since like 1980 something. Since the 80s, yeah. Yeah. This I think Kirby remembers and 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 still holds a, like a personal vendetta from when he was playing at Georgia, and all they did was get stomped by Florida. Yeah. Did you see um Kirby Smart's uh, after comments like how uh they talked they mentioned that Dan Mullen picked them to lose to Florida, and he goes, "Well, me and Dan are friends, but you know he didn't like to recruit." <laughs> Yikes! I did not see that. That was funny. So. Oh boy. Um, so yeah, Georgia looking, looking like they're rounding into form Florida five and three tough stretch ahead for the Gators. You got to win the one against Arkansas at home. If you really want to feel good about going bowling, otherwise your final four games, again, you're at home against Arkansas. Then you're on the road at LSU on the road at Mizzou. And then you're home against Florida state. So none of those is guaranteed wins. So you better, you better, uh, take care of business against the Razorbacks and and make sure you got that sixth victory. Um, a couple other quick ones here, uh, Colorado, UCLA. I, I don't have a ton to say on this. Uh, I, I got one thing. Um, Shiloh Sanders targeting call on the first was, I think a pretty soft one. Yeah. I don't know how you felt about that. The guy's helmet moves and does he hit him with the helmet? He's clearly leading with the shoulder. I hated to hear on the broadcast how they like completely 180'd when they saw like how much the helmet moved on one of the views. Was like, okay, okay, sure, his helmet moves, but what is he leading with? Um, I, Colorado was gonna lose that game, right? They lost 28-16. And again, I see on the show notes I put this one in the wrong wrong order. Uh, but UCLA wins the game. I mean, I don't know if I really drew any new conclusions about either team here. UCLA has got their own flaws. Um, offensively, they've got some challenges. Defensively, they're extremely good. Uh, and the opposite's the, the case for Colorado, where you have a pretty good offense when it can block it up. Uh, Shadur Sanders also holds the ball a little longer, so I, I don't think he's, um, you know, he, he's not blameless here either. But uh, Colorado's going to have to fight tooth and nail to get to a bowl. Like, again, I still think they're way ahead of schedule. I didn't have them winning four games this year. They've already done that. So anything else is just icing on the cake. Did you have anything else to say about that Colorado-UCLA game? Uh, I'm looking up the, the stats real quick, and I was just trying to make sure I remembered it correctly. But I think they had gave up seven sacks in that game. Is that correct? 
I, I don't have that right in front of yep, me. They it gave up sounds that game. right. And I'm like, off the top of my head, I, I wonder if Colorado has given up the most sacks. That offensive line is not good. And if you have any semblance of a defensive line, you're going to be, you should beat this team. Like you really should. Cause then you can, cause if you can get pressure on four, you can drop, uh, whatever, you know, 11 minus seven, four, seven back. Golly. <laughs> on the ball, I can't remember. Seven back and into defense, and you can play a little bit of zone or, you know, cover two or whatever you want to do. Um, that makes you that'll make you most successful in limiting them. It's only when you got a blitz to get the pressure on that they beat these teams that they or they're beating. And we saw that with TCU early on. We saw that with Colorado State a little bit um, when they came back against them. And then uh, who else have they beaten this week? Um. Uh... I don't have it in front of me. Um, oh, um, TCU, Nebraska, Arizona State, Nebraska? State. Yeah. And Nebraska, oh, Arizona State. Nebraska, yeah. they did it too. Bad. Arizona State made it a game, but they were believe that. Mm-hmm. Field goal. So it's like if you have any type of good four, four guys in the front, you're going to win this game. And I honestly don't see them winning another game for the rest of the year, which is sad, but it's true. So. Well, um, yeah, we talked about some of those teams that, like, we joked, like, if, if it was a video game, they would sim through the uh, season to, to get to the recruiting part of the game. I think Colorado's the, at that stage right now, or if they could, they probably would. Um, but let's see, what what else? Oh, we got we to gotta talk about Mac Brown. Mac Brown's going to Mac Brown. Uh, <laughs> uh, something about, I don't know why, like maybe he's contractually obligated. There's some sort of clause where it's like, I need one heart wrenching defeat um, every year to an opponent. Well, and that's the thing. And then it's like, there's probably like a clause that every two or three years I need actually two of them. So um, because you'll remember, like he had a number five ranked North Carolina that came into Tallahassee during the COVID year that lost. And then they ended up losing this, the next year to, to another FSU team. Both of those teams, by the way, finished with losing records, the, the FSU teams in those seasons. Uh, he's lost three straight to Georgia Tech. Did you know that? Oh, that surprises me. No, I did not. And those are not good Georgia Tech teams. Like, they're, they're just not. Like, Georgia Tech's, I, I guess now that when you look at it, two weeks, you know, this plus – hanging in there with Miami. I, I still kind of consider that a loss for Georgia Tech just because I'm pretty sure the running back was down. But anyway, the, the buffoonery that was Mario Cristobal's calls aside, Georgia Tech's won some games that no one going into them really gave him a chance to. Um, Brent Key, I, like, it's weird. So he was the interim coach last year when they beat North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that combined with a few other things kind of led to him getting the job. I think all he's done thus far is just validate, like, all right, he can get a team prepared and they're going to fight and they're going to play hard. And they may not be the most talented team, but they sure are scrappy. And uh, man, this game was like, it's interesting because, like, I look at this game, I didn't watch all of it, I only caught like the fourth quarter. I wouldn't have said that UNC was playing exceptionally poorly either. They just got outplayed by a, a, a really scrappy Georgia Tech team that, you know, on on the road for or on the road for for UNC at home. You know, it's, it's tough to go on the road Halloween week, of course. And man, that was a fun environment to watch, Bobby Dodd Stadium. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I have any major takeaways other than UNC now is 
in that jumble of I think five teams, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but five teams are are all tied for third place in the ACC with like two losses each. I guess they're technically tied for fourth because there's a tie for second between Virginia Tech and Louisville. Yeah. But uh, it's becoming a pretty tangled mess when it comes to uh, uh, the ACC conference race, and, and UNC has now in what consec is it consecutive weeks they lose back to back games yeah in consecutive weeks has gone from like acc front runner like right there where people are talking about and you know we're fsu fans were pretty plugged in people were nervous to face that north carolina team i don't think anyone really wanted to, to put drake may in that championship game and, and and roll the dice against that kind of quarterback talent lots of people were like man i i just don't know how that would play out and now it's like, oh, it probably won't play out, especially like their 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 schedule doesn't get easier either. They still have to play Clemson. They still have to play Duke. Like anyway, uh, I don't know if you had any big takeaways from the North Carolina game other than uh, other than what I've said. I, I want to point out the conundrum that is this Georgia Tech team. You said like they'll they'll get ready to play. But like, OK, lost to Louisville to start off the year. Owen won the ACC. You beat South Carolina State pretty handily. Then you play okay against Ole Miss, but you lose by like 15 or so. Um, you beat Wake, but then you lose to Bowling Green. You beat Miami. You lose to Boston College, and you beat UNC. Like, where is this team? Like, there's a reason that they're like they play this next week. Oh, let me, see, let me check. I've got notes on this team. They play next week. They play uh, versus Virginia, and they're not favored against Virginia. So like. Who knows where this team ends up? And they're a part of those that three and two teams that you know with those teams that have two losses sit in the ACC. Although they're four and four overall, like this is a, a team like if we can get Haynes Green to play consistent. Like I mean, if you look at Haynes Green's numbers, it's like four touchdowns, one interception, one touchdown, three interceptions, one touchdown, two interceptions, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Like he's all over the place. If you can get him to settle down and get him going well, this team could take off. I think, but it's just a matter of getting it in the groove. Um, you feel bad for UNC fans. You feel bad for Tez Walker. I think Tez Walker ends up in the hospital um, after this game. Um, yeah, was was released though. I think that he's. That's good to hear. Yeah, now I'm questioning whether or not I read that on some other player. I'll need to double check that, but I think he's okay. Yeah, but yeah, uh, what do you, what do you make of this UNC team as they go forward? I don't even know. Like, you play what Duke next? Is that right? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think oh, they play Duke play this week. Yeah. Then you play Duke. Um, oh. And then you have Clemson and NC State, like three teams where you could lose. We could see a repeat of last year where they went, kind of went like nine and zero, and then like zero and four. We might see something similar. So we'll see. Yeah, I uh, going back to the the Georgia Tech side of this. They play Virginia next uh, next week. There should like be like that. What should we call it? The Hey, we beat UNC surprisingly bowl. Um, just <laughs> with both of them. Uh, surprise upsets there but but as far as like Corey, you're on mute all right i'll keep talking um, I, I said you're good honestly like i agree like it's weird that these teams are beat unc we need a better name but they should not have been beat yes either <laughs> one of them so um they but with, with north carolina i just think you're gonna look back and say like man we had a really strong team and we're gonna regret it we're going to regret not getting more out of this team because again, I, I don't think 
they should be expected to go to the ACC championship game given the remaining schedule. Well, and they I don't would put their destiny at all either. Yeah. Well, I would put Louisville ahead of them. Yep. And as crazy as this sounds, like I, I put Louisville, I'd put Miami. Like that one to me isn't that crazy. The wild one is I would put Virginia Tech ahead of them. Yeah. Virginia Tech right now currently has one loss in conference. Now they play Louisville this week, and I expect them to lose that game. But that puts them at two losses, and they don't have that kind of – the back half of their schedule, the final three games, I, I don't have them in front of me, but I think it's – oh, goodness. Can you pull that up for me? Yeah, pull it right uh, up. Anyway, the punchline is North Carolina, I think, is on the outside looking in. They're going to need some help, and they need to go undefeated against a schedule that isn't necessarily easy. And, yeah, and I got, think you're going to look back on that. You got yeah. Louisville, Boston College, which is – those are two – Vodtech and Boston College are two teams I believe in. Like, they're up and coming. They found their quarterbacks. They found mobile quarterbacks, and they're being able to be succeed under those. You play NC State, which has got a good defense, um, and then you play against Virginia. So, it's not the gauntlet, though, that other – that other teams are going through you don't play yeah you don't play Clemson yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so I don't know I just like I think you're gonna look back on this one in a couple years and say like man we wish we would have got more out of them and I I, it's funny I said that about BYU this past year where it's like okay you had uh Jaron Hall who I think got drafted in what the fifth sixth round something like that yeah who's lighting the NFL on fire um and and Tyler Algier like that team I guess he wasn't on. on he was on two that, years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. But like I, I pointed out, I was like, man, I think you're going to Blake Freeland was the other one where it's like, okay, you have, you have several NFL players on this team against a pretty light schedule. And they ended up, you know, not, not kind of performing up to snuff. I was like, I think you're going to look back on that in two or three years and see what they're doing at the next level and realize we really could have done more. And I think the same is true here at, at North Carolina, because they've got some pretty talented players and, have been on the wrong end of two pretty pretty big upsets. Um, moving past that one, Ohio State, Wisconsin. I watched this game. Um, did, you, did you end up seeing this one? Yeah, I ended up Catch any watching of the replay. Um, I don't know. What were your takeaways? What did you think? I'm just like – so I've heard some talk around team, around coaches and people that say that Ohio State – they expect Ohio State to be the number one team in the playoffs based off their resume i'm like this does not look like a number one team to me like they get it done but it's not impressive it's not dominating and like could they get got can should they get get i mean they, they only play on like penn state and michigan i feel like only are the only people they actually play and penn state didn't look overly impressive in that game so and you won because you handed the or you got the ball to marvin harrison so um this game was close for a little while. It was, what, 10, 10 at halftime, maybe? No, 10, 10, like, in the third quarter. It was, yeah, 10 apiece at halftime. Yeah. Um, and then they were able to stretch out the lead. But I don't know what to make of this Ohio State team. Ryan Day is 8-0 for, like, the third time since he's been a coach at Ohio State, which is kind of crazy to think about. But they can't do anything. They can't capitalize. They haven't even won the – the Big Ten championship, I don't feel like. So, <laughs> I think they won this first year, but still, it's 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 kind of crazy. And, and this team didn't this game didn't change my opinion of them on this like at all. Yeah, I, I, at this point, I just kind of feel like they are what they are, right? Like, and it's a, a good defense, and 
an offense that has lots of really talented players but does not play cohesively. So we'll see. Again, their remaining schedule at Rutgers this next week. Man, wouldn't that be an awesome play? Just like uh, Rutgers, by the way, is coming off of a bye, and they're at home. So and uh, Rutgers has been pretty good this year, right? Aren't they? Yeah, just, they're they're bowl eligible like already. Yeah, yeah, they're six and two, I think. Yeah, six and two. Um, again, no real super impressive victories. Virginia Tech, maybe, but you know, Virginia Tech's just finding their footing. Um, I, I'm not saying that, but I was, they're at Rutgers, home against Michigan State, home against Minnesota, and then at Michigan. It boils all down to the game. Like that, that, that is, I feel like both of their, both of those two teams. Granted, Michigan still needs to play Penn State, but I mean, we didn't even talk about Penn State in the, in our recaps here, but not a whole lot of confidence from me that Penn State's going to give Michigan a whole lot. Yeah, of trouble. were they tied twenty four twenty four with Indiana, like with a little bit remaining in the fourth play. quarter? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they hit like a a pass down the at the at the end with like a minute left. Yeah, it might have been less. Uh, so. Yeah, so I mean, all all that to say, I think that the the Big Ten really boils down to that game because whoever wins that wins the East, and whoever wins the East is going to win the whole Big Ten. Um, or at least it's very likely to, I should say. You don't think Wisconsin or Iowa can have a say in this? <laughs> no, I, I don't. Uh, Wisconsin had ample opportunities to make that game against Ohio State closer and did not do it, and they were at home. So, yeah. uh, no, I, I don't see it. Um, we got a couple more that we want to wrap up, and then we'll do yeah, a quick conference check and we'll get out of here. But um, Washington on the road at Stanford. Uh, 42-33. This game was 36-33 in the fourth. Really close game with a Stanford team that, again, seems to be turning a corner. Troy Taylor's a really good coach. But this, to me, is about Washington. This is two pretty sketchy performances in a row. I know they've been dealing with some injuries post-Oregon, so maybe that's that's contributing here. I do think that you've got enough weapons on the outside that that probably shouldn't matter but it is mattering <laughs> um so that's that's all i have to say again i have not rewatched that game i haven't been able to, to go through that one just yet but um this is two close ones in a row washington and now you gotta go on the road and play the trojans yeah it's... admittedly we'll probably give you 50 but they also might score 50 of their own um yeah did you have takeaways from washington stanford yeah i just like I think of that uh, look down to the fourth down with three twenty with three twenty left. Stanford has the ball. They're down thirty five thirty three, and they run a a pass play and hits the receiver in the hands. And he's got like tons and tons of space, and he drops it. And they go they like turn the ball over on downs. Um, and then Washington four plays later scores a touchdown and kind of makes it this look like like, like a actual okay win. Um, but I mean, I just think of like what could have been if that had just been completed. We might have seen Stanford knock off Washington. I think st- I think they go and score. You leave enough time for Washington to score again, but like, oh man, that one I was just like watching that and agonizing over that pass incompletion. So, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see again. Stanford, I think, is turning a corner. I love what they're doing from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to so, say. So, uh, Troy Taylor, if you're a Stanford Cardinal fan and you're listening to this. I, I don't know who you are, so welcome to the show. But um, like, like I know most of the majority of who, who listens to the show. I know like what fan bases we typically want to hit each week. Yeah. Um, but 
they got to be encouraged that things are, again, it's not going to be a pretty season. It is what it is. We talked about this kind of, there. I think in a very similar place as Arizona State right now, where it's like, we've got enough proof of concept here that we know we've got the right person in the, you know, in the head job. The person in the corner office is right. Now we just got to get all the pieces around it, both from personnel and, and, you know, that's, I guess, mostly personnel. I think the coaching staffs are both doing a great job. So, yeah, I mean, you, you had some losses early in the year to Sacramento State. You had a one-point loss to Arizona when Arizona was not as good as I feel like they are now. Um, so you've had some games that you probably should have been a little bit more competitive in based off of how this coach is, but he's also getting used to this team. And and honestly, like, you put up 43 against Colorado. Colorado's not a great team. Or no, sorry, 46, and you end up beating Colorado. Um in that comeback, you kind of figure something out. But then you drop, lay an egg against UCLA the next week. And then you put up 33 against Washington. Like, I think we're there. I think I, you're sitting there saying proof of concepts there. I think you're close. I think you got to have a little bit more consistency from your team across the board. I mean, UCLA's got a good defense, but you shouldn't be scoring seven on UCLA. You should be scoring a little bit more, in my opinion. So... And that one, I'll, I'll give him a pass on. That, to me, is like, all right, UCLA's got a really good defense. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know you're you're gonna take your lumps in in your first year. Um, let's see. There's I guess one more game that we wanted to cover like a little bit more specifically, and I think you and I both saw this one coming. If I'm looking yeah, back at our predictions, remember the end? I mean, I, I left before it was over. I yeah, but wanted I mean, to go home. I was tired, right. but yeah. Uh, but I, what I was saying is that I think. Oh, did you call Oregon State? Oh, my man. Uh, so, uh, rough. Yeah. So you you called Oregon State. Brian and I were the ones that the 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 great minds think alike here. Um, we're I, I in on this were one. Crazy things happen in the desert, but they're not happening this weekend. And then they happen. So yeah. And, and the funny thing was, like, it wasn't that wild of a game. No, it was actually great. just great. Like Arizona yeah. played great, and they deserved to win that game. And and the funny thing is, like, for me, like, they played it – like, Oregon State played the type of game they want to play. Like, it was yeah. low possessions. They ran the football. They shortened the clock. Uh, they they played good defense. They made Arizona earn it for the most part. There were a couple, couple of explosive plays, but not a ton. Um, and, and Arizona was just better, like, just better that night. So, um, yeah, interesting game. Uh, I, again, this is one, like, I think I mentioned it last time, like – I. I don't like seeing either of these teams lose. I happen to like both of them mm -hmm. uh, just because they're not traditional football powers and both are having okay seasons. I, again, Arizona, I think they'd like to have that Mississippi state game back. I, I think if you were to play that game today, that, that result oh, is yeah, very different is very different, but um, that was in Mississippi state though, right? It wasn't, yeah, it was, it was in Starkville and they lost in overtime. Uh, and they're also starting the wrong QB. If you ask me, but, I, yeah, uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Arizona now faces Colorado, Oregon State. The back half of their schedule is pretty challenging, too. They, it really ramps up. Um, so Oregon State now um, – oh, I think I may have got – yeah, so they have a bye week. No, I, I lied. Sorry. It's Oregon State plays Colorado next, and they're on the road at Colorado. Um, that's an interesting clash of styles in terms of – uh, one team wants to throw the ball around a lot. The other one wants to kind of win with the ground game. It's interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I, I don't know what the line is on that game. Uh, but we'll have to look at that. 
home against Stanford. So those two you probably are expected to win, but again, nothing's, nothing's given. Um, and then you finish home against Washington, then at Oregon for the Civil War and for the Platypus Trophy. Um, yeah. So it doesn't get easier for Oregon State. For Arizona, you're one FYI, game shy of... by 13. 13. That seems high. high over me, but yeah. That seems high to me, too. Um, uh, and for, uh, for Arizona, you, in order to go bowling, you have to win one of the following, and it looks like they've got you know one of the following. So they're home against UCLA, which I think that one right now is like a three-point spread in favor of UCLA. So that's a close one, and you're at home coming off of a big win. Uh, then you're on the road at Colorado. So, okay, they, I, I knew they were, they're on the road at Colorado. And perhaps a winnable game. That one probably is a, a barn burner, I bet. It's on Pac-12 Network. That's dumb. Oh, I don't like that. Um, oh, yeah. I don't get Because I don't get it. I won't be able to see it. That's dumb. Oh, I'm going to pull it up on the sports search. I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> um. Then they're at home against Utah. That'll be a tough game, but you are at home, and, and crazy things happen in the desert. Then you're on the road at Arizona State, which I think you should be favored in that game by anywhere yeah. between seven and ten points, probably. But yeah. it'll be it'll be close game, rivalry game. But I think you're going to get at least one of those. So I think Arizona is going to go bowling, and that's that's a that's a big accomplishment, and I think they're moving in the right direction. Again, just a, a good late game to kind of cap the day. Um, any other big takeaways from you on this week? Um, just Kentucky, Tennessee. I wanted to talk about real quick off the top. Of my head. Oh yes. yes. Um, Devin Leary plays arguably his best game for Kentucky. He throws the ball around, completes it, makes good decisions, and they still lose. I was just like, oh, it's a bummer. But if you can get that Devin Leary for for the rest of the year, watch out for Kentucky. Noted. I, I don't even know who they have on their slate left. Who do they even play? I guess Louisville at the end of the year. Yeah, which would be kind of fun to watch Louisville lose. That rivalry game just just got a lot more interesting. Can we just say with with Jeff Brom now on, on that side, it feels like the tide's starting to turn in that state. It's early. It's very early. From a recruit's perspective, I would I would agree with you. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was like between the recruiting and just the on field results that Louisville's had this year. Now again, obviously that one's. Uh, got to be played out, but that'll be a fun game to watch. I don't know where that one is. Like, who's who's at home there? Is that in Lexington or is that in uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm pulling up the. the oh, I thought you were pulling it up. No, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, but yeah, that was. I didn't get too many eyes on that Tennessee game. Yeah. It has been surprising. The one thing I'll say is that like, I felt like Tennessee a couple of weeks ago found out that they need to run Joe Milton some. And I just didn't see enough of it against Alabama. And I think that they're probably regretting not just laying it all out on the line in that game. And then you have a chance in the East potentially. But now that you have two losses, a, a win against Georgia without – you still need help, right? So, like, even if they they host Georgia in Neyland this year, if you're able to pull that off, which I'm not expecting at this point, but if you're able to pull it off, you still need Georgia to drop another game in conference in order to have a, a shot at the SEC title game. Um, anyway, I, I just wonder if they would, if they could go back in time, would they have ran Joe Milton more specifically in the Alabama game, but potentially even in the 
in the Florida game where they kind of struggled to move the football in, in long stretches of that game. Yeah, I they think had that's something that... that were hurt in that game that were that are pretty critical key pieces to them, and he's, they've kind of had them back a little bit, but yeah, like they don't have the backups for to be successful with that, with those injuries. So yeah, but he's a big bruising guy, and I think on design runs, like yeah. It just adds a different element to your game that, that a defense has to account for. And especially in those games where I think where at times they struggle to move the football, particularly, you know, some of the most of the second half against Alabama and, you know, the majority of the game against UF, particularly the second and third quarters, I feel like they started to catch their momentum late, but they were just too far behind against Florida. So, um, FYI, just, just something that I think ranked 22nd. And Louisville's ranked 55, but I don't think they've been that close in, in a long time. So uh, I would say it's like swung in Louisville's favor, but it sounds like more more players have been considering them than I recall in the last. Yeah, week. I was gonna say watch that over the next couple of cycles, and and even this last one, I think I, I'd be interested to compare what they were like in in this most recent class yeah. that's signed that's on campus. I'll find out. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know. That's kind of the week that was. I don't know if you want to look that up real quick. Otherwise, we can just kind of move on. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up the movie real quick. Um... They had a pretty strong class, and it did start with Satterfield, so I don't feel like Brom can get all the credit, but he did hold most of it together. Yeah, so last year, Louisville was 31st, and Kentucky was 32nd. So. Yeah, so. If close. they can close, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we want to do a quick um, review of conference races? Um, maybe we can do that. It's, we're at an hour 13. Maybe we do that at the start of our next episode. That's fine. Okay, cool. So we'll, we'll, we'll dispense with that. We'll, we'll bring that in uh, ahead of our week 10 preview episode. But now it's time for parting shots. I don't know if you have any. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I felt like we all kind of came locked and loaded because we we we've been a little soft the last couple of weeks. So yeah. fire away. Dabo is bringing Clemsoning back, and I'm all here for it. <laughs> losing the teams that you should not be losing to, choking on times when you should not be choking, and even as a coach, he's Clemsoning Rick lately. I am all for it. Does it continue? That's what I want to know. Does it continue? And does Dabo start to see that you know the door if it does happen? But I'm. Uh, I loved it back in the day when I think it was Florida State was fifth and they were third, and it's all about what's Clemson going to do, and all of a sudden it's a 51-7 to kick in. Um, or when they were played West Virginia and they lost 70 to whatever it was. 70-34, yeah. Yeah, I'm all about Clemson in there. So thank you, Davo. That's a good one. Here, I'm, I'm going to pour one out for Brian Ferentz. Uh, he is now done at Iowa. Well, I guess he's not done. Um well, he's, he's probably been done for about two years, but he will not be retained as their offensive coordinator uh, going into 2024. Um, yeah, that's uh, end, end of an era, and I think most Hawkeyes are like, hallelujah, the end of an era. Um, so see you, Brian Ferentz. Yeah, question, was that coach's call or was that the board's call? Uh, it had to be the athletic director's call because his dad can't be his direct manager. Yeah, the I, it's just someone says after conversations with, with his dad, coach, and the president, I informed Brian that our intention was to for him to be uh, with us through the bowl game, and then he'll be released. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's the AD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to quote Angels in the Outfield, all I can say is it's about time. Yeah. Um. You gotta say that that family though is taking Iowa for all it can get it. 
you know, so. I mean, he, he also built a, a consistent winner. I, I don't think he's, you know, it, it's hard to question a coach that just awesome, just wins anywhere between eight and 10 games every year for what, 10 years in a row or something like yeah, that. They, they've been defense, but consistently I mean, it, great, but. It feels like Jeff Bowden back in the day, you know? <laughs> it does. It does. It's one of those things that just, yeah, there's, there's shades of that same thing where it's like, all right, this thing's holding us back from another level now. Whether or not Iowa can unlock another level, I, I question, right? Maybe, but Consistently win the West and give yourself uh, a chance, you know? Do you have any more parting shots? Nothing else from me. Okay, I, I have a few more. Uh, I'm wearing the BYU Intramural Champion shirt. So I got to get on the Utes for a little bit here. Uh, first of all, let me just say, love Coach Witt. I actually really respect the Utah program with what they do. They're, they're a really good team. They've been snake bit by injuries. That being said, when they have the helmets that honor the mighty Utah student section or the must, which first of all, must just sounds like slang for some sort of FTI, right? Like it's <laughs> like, oh, this, you know, I, I got the clap and I also got the must. Like it just sounds, you know. I, so I hate the name of the student section, but it really could have been like the missing Utah student section or the mighty Utah silent section because they were not effective at all against Oregon. Also, they had on the helmet, you know, that they're famous for like the third down jump. Maybe this next uh, week they need to change that to the third quarter exit because uh, they were all gone by the end. Of, but by the end of the half, there was not a whole lot of people left in that uh, in that student section. Uh, and then uh, it's funny. So my wife was cluing me into some some of the excuse making from those groups on on Twitter. Like, oh, we were at game day at at five a.m. We were we were tired. Like, well, that means that you didn't keep the main thing the main thing, and that's a real problem. Like, yeah. um, so had had to clown on them just a little bit because uh, the Ducks came in there and uh and, and took care of business. I don't have any more. If you don't have any more, we'll go ahead and wrap. All right, this has been the CFB Paint Crew for Corey, for Steve. This is me saying thank you. Again, please like, share, subscribe, follow, whatever the things are that you need to do on whatever version of this podcast that you happen to, um, whatever vehicle you're using to, to get the show. We appreciate it. The support is always helpful. And then, again, yeah, feel free to chime in with us on our socials or via email. That's cfbpaint at gmail.com. Uh, on where we get things right, where you have a difference of opinion. Happy to feature those and respond to any questions or comments. Thanks again. We'll see you for our Week 10 preview.